Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hey, I'm Zach, and one day I'm going to make movies, but right now I'm young, dumb, and not nearly as good-looking as my co-hosts. So with the help of... I'm Matthew. I'm Rodrigo. I'm Steven. I'm going to learn what makes a movie great by watching all the classics I've skipped over. So pop the corn and turn your cell phone to silent, because it's time for a new episode of Zach on Film. Once upon a time, we four hosts were traveling down a road when an elderly podcaster sped past us and drove off a cliff in dramatic fashion. As he laid there, before he kicked the bucket, he told us of a great treasure that would benefit the masses. We found that treasureful podcast under a giant W, and we have it here for you on this week's Zach on Film. As we talk, it's a mad, 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 mad world. Hey there, Zach. Hey, Steven. Mad, Four mad, mad, mad world. Yeah, that is a couple. It takes uh, forever to type out, by the way. The uh, director, producer-director, Stanley Kramer. Actually wanted to go with five Mads, uh-huh. and then he mad. dropped it because he thought it was going to be redundant and, and make a lot of people <laughs> upset because it was in there. Yeah, I'm sure. And then he, he later would go on and say, I always regret not putting that fifth Mad in there because it always is just that one more. Right. Is it four? Is it five? Uh, in there. So it's, it's a so mad, weird. mad, mad, mad world. 1963, as I said, Stanley Earl Kramer um, taking this on kind of after... Oh, what did he just do before this? It was some serious, serious uh, movie that he had done right before Mad Mad World and Ben Hur, something like Guess that. He was coming to dinner. No, that was after. Oh. Uh, oh. But he he was using this as kind of prove to people that yeah, I'm not always Nuremberg. doing just yes, that was was the Nuremberg uh, movie. Um, people are always judging him on his seriousness, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Look, I can do comedy too." And he put this put this movie together and. Turned it into quite a comedy. Yeah, it was a hit. He it was well mixed results, but I mean it, it made a, a lot of move. It made a lot of money yeah. in its initial release. Just as a point of reference, Zach, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yes, in sixty three dollars would be the equivalent of forty seven million dollars today. It's pretty good box office. So that's what. No, no, no. I'm saying the money that Jimmy Durante uh, was telling him was buried at oh, a yeah, big yeah, W yeah, 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 okay. was the equivalent of today's $47 million. So wow. when you have a lot of bills, either four trucks or five people or, you know, 13 people or 14 shares or however you're going to divide mm-hmm. it, that $350,000 is nothing to sneeze at. Now today you would say, Oh, you're going to get $47,000. You're like, well, I make that in a year. Well, uh, I would. And, uh, <laughs> Zach says, I'm going to make that in three years. I yeah, would exactly. take that. <laughs> you make that in a but, year, you jerk. But, oh no, I make much more than that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> oh, <laughs> um, good. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but I mean, this was a lot of money for these people to go after mm-hmm. at that time. Mm-hmm. So that sets off this madcap race across the desert yep. to get to uh, San Rosito, which is in real life would be San Diego. Right. And the antics that follow along with it. Now, you must have loved this movie, Zach. You must have rolled on the floor laughing. I did. And then the 20 minutes the film passed, 
and the laughing decreased steadily. And at one point, it turned into bitter rage. Why bitter rage? There's a whole intermission where you could get up and stretch your legs. <laughs> yeah, I fast forward. I was like, wait, is this really happening? Let me fast forward. I thought it was just going to be like a blank, uh, da, 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 five seconds. Uh, nope, three minutes later. Well, there's music that's composed specifically for the intermission. Yeah, I fast forward. Actually, I, then I went back hey, and watched like, the last two minutes of it. Uh, I fast forwarded through the intermission too. Yeah. yeah. And the original cut was three and a half hours long. Yeah, yeah. And then they cut it down and then they cut it down and they cut it down again. In fact, there's still some scenes that are missing from the original movie. That they wanted to uh, to show. <laughs> Good. Well, why, why, some so, scenes that kind of make sense. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why Why did you have a problem? I mean, it's a two and a half hour movie. Two and a half. I hour mean, there's movie. a lot of two and a half hour movies that we sit and talk about. Agreed. There's a the lot. Titanic. I think two and a half hours. There's a lot uh, of two and a half hour movies we talk about, but the same dialogue isn't there for the last hour and a half of the movie. It's just repeated okay. over and over and again. So what, uh, yeah, mama, I'm coming, mama. I'm coming to save you, mama. <laughs> okay. okay, so we're going to divide it up 16 ways. You, you get this, you get this, you get this, you get this. Uh, Cutscene to police. Okay, we're going to divide it up 28 ways now. You get this, you get this, I get this, three, four, five, seven, <laughs> but seven. But funny. It, no, it, it was. Is. It was the first Overly time they divided the money. <laughs> it is. It's a, it's a long gag. So what I mean? So was it just because? Was it be? uh, So hmm. So let me ask you this. Kramer used this as kind of his homage to comedy. Okay. Right. Yeah. And so in the process, he went out and got a crap ton of comedians. Mm -hmm. I mean, people who well. And again, this is, and I wonder if this is part of the ageism that often falls into film, where people who saw this would have known who every right, single right. Pe- person was. Mm-hmm. Right. I kind of know who everybody was in the movie because I grew up watching Phil Silver and yeah. Jonathan Winters and all these people that appeared in the movie. Yeah. So it's like, oh, Buddy yeah, Sid Hackett. Caesar. Yeah, Buddy Hackett, yeah, yeah. Uh, Mickey Rooney. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. All these people. I know who they Should are. Even, even the little gag pieces, the three stooges appearing yep. for the shortest cameo in the one. film. Yeah. Uh, Joe Besser, but anyway. Um, yeah. Well, Curly was dead by the Yeah, he was. Actually, my girlfriend Curly passed away before in like I noticed 54. it. Oh, really? The yeah. three stooges? Um, but I mean, even the little bit parts were people that I would recognize because that was still within, and I really think I owe this to um, Channel 5 out of Kansas City growing up because they would do this afternoon movie all the time. That was their deal is that Mm -hmm. you get, I think it started at 3 or 3.30. Yep, and it'd run all all day. And it would run until until dinner time, which was 5.30 or 6. That's when the news came on. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so they would run movies. So you might see Jerry, it would be a Martin and Lewis week and you would Absolutely. see all the Jerry Lewis, uh, Dean Martin movies. And so you knew who these people were. You'd see Phil Silver. You would see the best weeks were Planet of the Apes and Godzilla week. Those yes. were the best weeks to watch. When they'd play the three Planet of the Apes movies back to back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was awesome. And it wasn't the good ones. It was the last three. Oh, they'd do all of them. Five days, uh, five movies. It was awesome. And so I knew who all these people were. You probably yeah. didn't even know. I don't know if you knew who Jimmy Durante was, no. if you knew who. I, mean, I knew who Don Knotts was. Stan, you know who he Stan was in a very small was? part of the movie. Yeah, yeah. No. You know Stan Freeberg. Leo Gorsi. Maybe. Andy Devine. Oh, yeah. Mickey Rooney. You know Mickey Rooney. Why, no. how, why would he know Mickey Rooney? He wouldn't. That is. He wouldn't. You don't he's, know Mickey Rooney. He's probably never well, seen him. Rodrigo probably doesn't know who half the people in this movie he's are. I, pro- I probably know slightly less than half the people in this movie because I like actually did watch old TV 
to a certain degree. So it's I just knew, called new television in Mexico. Pretty much. I mean, <laughs> things. The the thing is, in Mexico, things don't go out of style as fast. Mm, mm-hmm. So even though there is new TV coming in, people like they still air old movies. Right, right. And that's what I yeah. loved about Channel Five is we were watching all mm-hmm. of this stuff. Okay, I know who Mickey Rooney is. Yeah, Alan Brady and the Maytag Repairman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I knew Milton Berle. I knew yeah. Sid Caesar. Did um, you know Colonel Algernon Hawthorne? Yeah, um, Terry. Terry. Uh, he reminded Terry me Thomas. of the dad Terry Thomas. of Thornberries. He, if you've exactly. if you've seen Ter- Robin Hood, Terry Thomas does the snake. Oh, Thomas right, Rick. right. Yeah, and he also I think does the snake in Mary Poppins. Terry Thomas was a great character. And Terry actor. Thomas was in the Magnificent Men in their flying machine. Yes, which mm-hmm. neither of them have seen either. This was the first movie appearance of Jonathan Winters mm. uh, at this time. Um, Buddy Hackett was. Buddy, Buddy Hackett, had been around. Jim Bacchus. I mean, you just look at the people that had speaking Selma. roles in this piece. Selma from Night Court. Yeah, is in there. Is in this back when she was just Selma. Yeah, but actually, she's the. Never mind. <laughs> I don't want to get off on a tangent. If I start ranting, we'll, well be so on. I'm wondering is that is that part of it? Did you not get the oh, there's that guy? I mean, as because to me that's part of the appeal. Well, is, almost certainly here comes, not. Here comes I mean, Jerry if that's Lewis. Literally, the only way you can enjoy is. this movie. Then no, obviously, I did not get. I don't that. think that is, but I think that's part of the appeal. Is how is he going to fit 100 great comedy actors into this movie? I know. Exactly. Make it an and hour Buster too long. Keaton. <laughs> Showing up, yeah, and, Buster and Keaton's in there. Uh, uncle uh, from uh, My Three Sons. Yeah, from My Three Sons is the captain. Uncle yeah. Charlie. Uncle, yeah, uncle Charlie. Charlie. Um, that, I, mean, I think that a lot of the cultural references, especially in the last half of the movie. Oh, yeah, last half of the movie. The jokes are very topical, and it, it's kind of the 1954 equivalent of a Dane Cook routine. You know, when, when Dick Sean pops up out of nowhere, you're like, ah! yeah, yeah. I, well, I'm like, oh, I know who that is. So, so I can see that being, you know, one reason not knowing who all these people are, mm-hmm. trying to get them all in draws things out. I mean, the whole fight with uh, Jonathan Winters and um, the two guys, the two the gas, gas station, station attendants. That was kind of funny. I mean, that's a whole place. Yeah, I mean, that's a thing that lasts like five minutes or something to get through all of that. Um, but yeah. to not go, oh, I know who that is and that is, and Jerry Lewis driving over the hat, ha ha, you know, all that stuff. So I can get it from that part. The the I guess the next question that I have in trying to analyze why you may not have appreciated this is, um, do you know what a screwball comedy is? Yeah. What is a screwball comedy? Just a whole lot of nuts, no nuts, nutsness. Happening. Okay. Or you could also farce is the same thing. Yeah, I mean, farce. we could look at farce. Um, what else can we classify in this movie? I mean, it's a comedy, but it's a slapstick. It's, it's slapstick. slapstick. It's a, it's a yeah. slapstick movie, and slapstick movies rely a lot on visual humor. And Sid Caesar is a very visual humor guy, right? Right, and, with all of his faces. Still, though, I mean, I would, I would say that they probably because there were so many people, they didn't nearly exploit Sid Caesar no, or no, no, Milton Berle or no, any of no. those guys. No, not at all. Um, I mean, Ethel Merman, I think, was probably the most exploited yeah. a- actress in the piece. Um, Phil, Phil Silvers, I think, was kind yeah. of... He was over-exploited, yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he was for, kind for of... For the yeah. big character that he was. Um, well, and he he was one of the huge names when this show came out, mm-hmm. when this movie was, was, you know, released. But, I mean, do you like slapstick comedy? Yeah. Because slapstick comedy, again, it's it's very physical and sometimes has a long setup. I mean, the whole thing with Sid Caesar and his wife um, trapped in the in the uh, 
hardware hardware store. store. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is classic Tom and Jerry. I mean, you go back and watch classic oh, yeah. Tom and Jerry routines. All the shtick that they do in there is let's get out of this trap box and you play it up 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 and you just run it into the ground until the very last thing that you're doing is let's use dynamite. Right. Right. I mean, they do. They just keep building on the humor of let's use a sledgehammer. Let's use a blowtorch. Let's use this. Let's use this. Let's use this. Let's use fireworks. Let's use dynamite. And it is just it has to keep building. And that's I don't know. Whenever I look at slapstick, whenever I look at farcical humor. That's kind of what it is, is you have to keep building on that same joke again and again and again until you ruin it. Another good example would be like the the car discussion that we had on our way to uh, Nerdtacular uh, a couple of weeks ago, or the boat, the boats where they were all stacked up on top of right, one another. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You may have been asleep when I pushed it to the, this is where this joke ends, but every time we would see another yeah. set of cars like that, we would take that joke and we would push it a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what happens in a lot of movies, yeah. like what we see in Mad, 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 Mad World, is yeah. that we keep pushing that joke until it gets to the point where you can't go anywhere else with it. But even with that, you know, if repeated an overly long gag, as someone who loves the overly long gag, there comes a point where you get sick of it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, it but it you, comes around again. Do you like? And it comes um, back and it, it, it's funny again, yeah, precisely yeah. because it's not funny, and then you kind of just lose your crap because it's so funny that it wasn't funny for a while, and now you can't figure out how it ever. No, not, I agree. Not, not, I think there's a lot of funniness when you push things too far, mm-hmm. but I think I just don't think this movie executed it very well. Hmm. Give me some more ex- reasons why. I mean, I would agree with you that it is a bit long, and I think if you would have taken out. 45 minutes if you could have taken out 45 minutes well, the part part of it was some of the good gags that could have been done really well even in the length they were were drug out too far by placing really not funny unimportant gags in between their sequences of like even flying mm-hmm. the plane which is an incredibly long if you put that together right, right, it's right. a long it's like the last half of the movie is them trying to land a plane right, which, right. Oh, good lord they would have crashed in the first 30 <laughs> seconds but you got that interstitched with the really crummy guy that picks the the trucker guy up and then he mm-hmm. like goes on this Side adventure, this side on his adventure, own, this little trying boy. To get out I was like, valley this and doesn't into a matter. It doesn't matter at all. This isn't even funny. Yeah. So if you take out okay, some so of that me, stuff, let me, okay. Let me as de- as as deconstructing a joke. Sure. Right. What did Phil Silver do to Jonathan Winters? Got him to tell the story of right. of where this money was hidden. Uh huh. And then it's like, okay, yeah, we'll go down to Santa Rosita together. And we'll dig up this money and we'll get it before everyone else. We'll split it 50-50. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. hey, kid, move that bike so nobody trips over right. it in the dark. Jonathan Winters gets out. Phil Server, off right. he goes. What do we know about karma? Comes back to get you. So doesn't it come back to get Phil Silver in the fact that he's trying to, he's, okay, I'll help you get the, you know, he's Only- not a, he's not a, t- t- a total shit. Right. <laughs> he's willing to help the farmer get the medicine to his wife. Sure. But karma has to swing back around and say, okay. If you're going to get back on this adventure, you've got to go through hell to get back into this adventure. But in the end of the movie, everyone gets nothing. So almost the well, karma almost doesn't come into it at all. Because no, it does. It does come into it at the end. 
uh, where they everyone, do get nothing. Everyone leaves and everybody's out on going, on everybody is broken, everybody is hobbled, and yet even among the, even among the, um, even among their downfall, they're still able to laugh at the insanity of everything that's gone on to them. They're able to still laugh at themselves about it. Um, you know, on the one hand, you can look at this movie as a comedy, as a farce, as a, as whatever, but Kramer with a lot of the other movies that he's done, you know, um, guess who's coming to dinner, which came out after this movie, looking at race relations. Uh, you look at the Nuremberg trial, very serious look, uh, in there and really the seriousness of this, one can almost say that he's holding up in this movie, a mirror to society and looking at a lot of very uncomfortable situations and making us laugh about how uncomfortable these topics are. I mean, here are people that this entire movie, they are consumed by nothing but greed. Mm -hmm. I mean, greed. I mean, that Mm -hmm. is the core Mm -hmm. of what this movie is about is how greedy can you be? And what would you do to get all this money for yourself? And we see a good cop turn bad at the end because of greed. Mm -hmm. And there are crooked cops. We see a man who is um, broken down and who is just browbeaten by his mother-in-law nonstop. We see um, socioeconomic relations between the dentist and the truck driver Mm -hmm. and how Jonathan Winter's character and Sid Caesar's character are butting heads with one another because they don't agree because of their financial situations. I think even the Mickey Rooney and and, uh, Mickey Rooney and um, Buddy Hackett also get into it with the, uh, with the dentist when they're trying to get the airplane because they come from different economic Mm -hmm. statuses. Um, uh, And then we, we even see, you know, we see some politics come into it when they're talking about how, oh, you get $47,000 tax free. Yeah. What do you mean tax free? What do you mean you wouldn't report this to the government? That's our duty to, I mean, mm-hmm. you know, there is a political belief right there that yes, you do have to report all this money. So it is holding a mirror up to society and saying, look how ugly we are in everything that's going on in this time period. And can't we laugh at it? Can't we laugh at how ridiculous we are as a society? I mean, we do that now, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we look at Honey Boo Boo and we're like, this is what we've come to, right? And and people laugh about it. Except that Honey Boo Boo is playing it straight. Well, yeah, (laughs) yeah. But I mean, isn't that the case, though? I mean, we look at, we look at, I don't know, just look at anything. People are making a joke about something that's very serious going Mm -hmm. on right now in our society. And we're able to find humor in that. And I think that's what Kramer is trying to do. Now, granted, he didn't write this. The story, this was a story that came to him from a story that was supposed to take place in Scotland. The guy who wrote it, brought it to him. He said, yes, I want to do this. And so they changed the location to Southern California Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. moved everything to, to the United States in that. Um, but I think what he's, I mean, really, I think this is a good reflection on society and the things that were going on at the time period and things that were reflected in people's minds at this time. Of what was acceptable, what wasn't acceptable. What can we really make fun of, even if it's our own stupidity? What were you going to say, Matthew? Sorry. I I would agree with you. And I think that if you tried to sell a movie today where the climactic joke was Ethel Merman slipping on a banana peel... And that's that's our big out. Dun, da, 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 well, and also, tr- I don't think too, that would fly. I don't think that would fly no. in the seventies, but I don't think that would certainly fly in the twenty first century. So, Matthew, in the evolution of comedy, what's yes. going on? What's going on in society in the early sixties? I mean, we're still a very 
uptight society, right? I mean, we right. haven't experienced the hippie revolution. We're not, not into quite. Vietnam yet. Um, when did Lenny Bruce? Lenny Bruce was in the 50s. Lenny, Lenny Bruce would have been around. You would have seen the beginnings of you would have seen the beginnings of some of the comedy stuff that led to the likes of uh, George Carlin and uh, what's his face with the head, uh, Captain Jack. The Smothers Brothers. Yeah, that guy. Those guys, too, would be in 67, 68. Mm-hmm. I mean, the the counterculture revolution has its roots. But if you look at this, this is a lot of guys who were big on television in the 50s. Mm-hmm. Good, clean-cut television. Mm-hmm. But the, this movie isn't necessarily that. This movie is kind of like the the last hurrah for guys like Milton Berle and guys like Sid Caesar mm-hmm. and you know, Sergeant Bilko, whose name always always escapes me. Sid Caesar and Phil Silvers, right? Sort of merge into this one C Silvers in my head. Oh man, I was but, watching this movie going dead, 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 yeah. dead, dead, and dead, dead. The the ooh ooh guy is in it for like five yeah, yeah. seconds. Yeah, I don't yeah. remember his name, but I remember he was. Uh, a guy doing his voice was the sergeant on Hong Kong Fui. Mm-hmm. All of these, you know, not all of these, but the majority of these actors are guys from the 50s and earlier. Your Buster Keatons, your your Three Stooges. These are people trying to take that last hurrah for, and I think to some degree for their world, but at least the world view of the comedy that they're used to and right, trying right, right. to turn it into that new expectation. And I think that from the, from the point of view of what actually happens on the film, they succeed about 55% of the time. Yeah. You know, when (laughs) there's a moment where you, where it's clearly Rochester. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, ah, Hey, it's that guy. And Jack Benny, you know, you know, but you know, the screwball, the the scholars will say that the last screwball comedy came -hmm. out in 1942. That was when the last, real screwball comedy comes out. And right. so when you're looking at this, you're right. This is pointing towards audiences saying, hey, remember how comedy used to be? This was right. that last hurrah before you came up to, hey, MFers, what's going on? Ah, kind of comedy stuff. Yeah. You get to you get to that's that what, point where George Carlin like is joking <laughs> right. about ICBMs and weed. Yeah, 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 yeah. But if you look at some of these guys, some of these actors did transition. Don Knotts... Oh, Buddy you know, Hackett did transitioned too. Transitioned into the seventies, yeah. Buddy Hackett. A lot of these characters got into you know the next decade and even the decade further than that. I know that Mister Roper is in here. Yes, uh, Mister Roper from the late nineteen seventies. You'll yeah. remember him. And Sterling Holloway, the voice of Winnie the Pooh, mm-hmm. as but the county you, sheriff. Nice. Yeah, when you look at it as a whole, this to me is kind of like not just a last hurrah. It's like kind of a transition it's that moment where the rock loses clean to john cena kind of to pass the torch but also kind of to say well maybe there is some you know some justification in what's going on here so Mm -hmm. all of these guys are here and this is also trying to be part of this new wave of comedy that's going places where we didn't see it you know that's going off into its other world and we can still be a part of that, and we can, you know, we can validate and justify the 1950s, your Milton Berle in a dress. Mm-hmm. But then you can also transition into that point where, you know, the Smothers Brothers are joking about the Vietnam War, and uh, you you can actually get your Pat Paulson routine. That comes straight out of this. When Pat Paulson is sitting and making jokes about the world, 
that comes out of this style, this thought process of comedy, but it allows it to deal with different sorts of, you know, more realistic themes and to deal with things that are important to people to make it funny while still being about something yeah. important. This movie was so big in mm. what was happening when they were getting ready for production uh, that there were comedians that they approached to or actors and actresses who they approached who just simply couldn't do it because their schedule wouldn't permit. Mm-hmm. I mean, originally, the Sid Caesar and his wife characters were going to mm-hmm. be played by Mickey Rooney and Judy Garland. They were going to be a husband-wife mm-hmm. team. Wow. But she couldn't do it because she was in production of a TV series, so Mickey Rooney still wanted to be part of it. So they switched him around. They brought in, um, um, what's his name, uh, Carl, um, was it Novak, Kovac, Co- or Ernie Kovac. Ernie Kovac. Ernie, Ernie Kovac, Kovac was supposed to play the Sid Caesar role with his real-life wife. That was his real-life wife in there. Mm. But he died. Oh. And so then yeah, Sid Ernie Caesar Kovac was born. died in like 62. Yeah, so then the wife... Um, Eddie, uh, what's her name? Edie. Edie. No, no. Edie Adams. Edie Adams. Um, she agreed to go ahead and be in the movie, and then they brought Sid Caesar in. And so they were doing a lot of this play around, and it got to the point where there were some actors and actresses that were calling up Kramer going, how come you didn't ask me to be in your movie? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, we don't have any play. We don't have any room for right. you to be in this. There so, are already 37 characters in yeah. this movie. I mean, just the credits alone are what, six yeah. minutes oh, long? so yeah. long. Saul Bass. Saul Bass. Yeah. Every <laughs> single person in this movie good is somebody. You look at this and you're like, oh, right. hey, it's that guy who used to hang out with Tom Mix. There's, there is not all, I swear to you, there's not a single character in this movie who's not a, hey, it's that guy to the right person. Right. So, and even, you know, even like knowing an, what I an know, Austin I don't know. Powers 2 situation. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, when we talk about could this movie be made today? Yeah, they actually tried they to make this movie Rat today. Race. It's called Rat Race and it yep. failed horribly. Uh, but it was basically the same, the same which, story. Which was fun to watch to see what. Did elements. you watch it? I've seen Rat Race. Oh, I saw Rat Race. Did you a like long it? Time ago. Oh, Seth well, I was Green like, is I was like no 12. Of course I liked okay, it. I was 12. Okay, so next question then, Zach. Have you watched, has anyone else in your family seen this Mad 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 World? Yeah. Who? My dad and my eight-year-old brother. And you said you had a conversation with your dad about this. Yes. He thinks this movie is hilarious, and apparently so did my eight-year-old brother. You thought Rat Race was funny when you were 12. Yeah. This has that kind of humor that appeals to young kids. I remember watching, I didn't realize that this movie was in color until probably like 85, something like that, Mm -hmm. when I caught it at my grandparents' house, because growing up, I had black and white television. Uh, So... When this came on, I was either watching it on when I was really young, the big black and white in the living room, or when we did get color TV and then dad would want to watch sports, I was relegated to a little 13-inch black and white upstairs. Mm -hmm. And so all I knew was this movie in black and white. And this, because of my age at that time, I thought this stuff was hysterical. I thought the whole shenanigans about chasing with the money and the busting stuff up and stuff I love that stuff as a kid. In fact, when I would do Legos and, and Star Wars, I would take this idea of these things keep building and more things get keep getting destroyed. And that was my routine when playing with toys was, how can I make this bigger and build better and all these things are happening at the same time? Mm-hmm. And it all blows up on everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was fun for me. So from a little kid's perspective, I can see it. But I think our, our humor at, at changes over time. Our humor is... I, I, I thought about this a lot because... Obviously, when I'm assigned a movie on this podcast, I'm assuming it's of high standards and is significant in some way. So I was reflecting. Well, I mean, this does have, you know. Well, Wait, no, I mean, no, the, no, the, no. The, no. And sure, I was, sure. I was let the men ref- finish. I was sure, reflecting sure, sure. on why this is important. Why this is and on was, the show, and, sure. But then I was also reflecting on why didn't I like this when mm-hmm. I probably 
obviously this was a well-received movie and was very important for its time. I was like, out of all the old movies, old being a relative to my age term, that I will watch. Like 1999 and prior. Right, correct. Uh, He's probably never seen a Richard Pryor movie. Maybe I go through the list. He saw Harlem Nights. No. There's no way he saw Harlem Nights. Not a chance. No, he saw Um, Comedies, I feel like, will be the hardest to transition to Mm -hmm. to today's because it's changed so much Mm -hmm. that they're just not going to translate. Do you like the Three Stooges? I mean, I've never really watched them, but Cause I, I, I watched I people. That I thought my son would just roll on the floor watching Three Stooges. Mm-hmm. And we were watching one of their 20 minutes shorts. And about five minutes in, he's like, can we watch something else? This is boring. I'm like, this is the Three Stooges. This is funny. And I, remember, like, I don't I, find this funny at all. I watched a few episodes. I thought they were funny. But the thing that Three Stooges has going for it in the slapstick nature is like 20 minute episodes. It's not a two and a half hour movie. Right. You can compress you all know, that. I, you can compress I totally, in the slapstick. It's like super funny, but right. we get drawn out. Right. I totally agree funny. with you on uh, on the fact that it, it is long. I mean, mm-hmm. there's nothing. I mean, it is a long movie, and I will agree with you on that. But where you start cutting and not get that build of the build of the build of the laughter, I don't know where you can cut. Do you know, Rodrigo? Um, yes, I, I do. I would have <laughs> cut out the... There's a, there's a couple of times that we keep cutting back to a very similar situation. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, the son, like, driving, Mama, yeah. Mama, I'm coming to save you. That happens, like, four times. Yeah, yeah. It's like, cut two of those out. Mm-hmm. Like, car, <laughs> yeah, car chase. Who is that guy? I think he's that guy. Cut that out. Yeah. So one of the cool things about this, though, when we keep cutting back to uh-huh. Mama, what's his name? Dave, uh, what was his name, Matthew? The Dave, Dick Sean. Dick Sean, that's who that Dick was. Dick Sean, yeah. Um, one of the cool things about this movie from a storytelling perspective, Zach, mm-hmm. is this concept of parallel storytelling, right? Yeah. Uh, a lot of times you'll look at a movie um, like, um, what was the Philip Seymour Hoffman um Movie that came out not too long ago. The Master. Have the you master. heard about the oh, murders? No. So the Master tells a story that's very straightforward, from one thing to another, and it just flows all the way through. And you're seeing it from the one character's perspective. Spring Breakers that we were talking mm-hmm. about earlier. Same way, we're really seeing this through one kind of character's perspective. We don't see what's going on other places. In parallel storytelling, you're seeing what's going on simultaneously in other places. Right, and so. What Mad 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 World does really well is make sure that you know that while um, Sid Caesar is trying to bust out of the hardware store, Buddy Hackett and Andy Rooney, not Andy Rooney, uh, (laughs) (laughs) Rooney, are still up in the air having their antics in the air. And we keep cutting back and forth between all these things that are happening simultaneously. And so parallel storytelling is a great way to move people through your story. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think there are not a lot of movies done today that do parallel storytelling like this movie does. I mean, occasionally you'll do a cutaway of what's the villain doing now? He's right, twisting right, right. his mustache. Right, right. Um, he's getting ready to blow up the Death Star, but we're mostly focused on Luke Skywalker, right? Mm-hmm. We're not really seeing a lot of what Han Solo is doing on the Death Star while Luke is out running around. Yeah. Really what, I think probably what we see this, uh, the closest thing that we see this, uh, to this that we see nowadays is either more indie films that do kind of just right, like right. do yeah. different characters or 
we just see the movie like expand and compress, mm-hmm. like kind of like mm-hmm. an Ocean's Eleven. Now everybody goes and does their thing, right, so you're right, kind of cutting right. back and forward as everybody's right, going, right. and then eventually the movie just like funnels back into right. everybody being it, together. Yeah, together, yeah, yeah. Uh, so parallel storytelling is a, is a is a great technique to make sure your mm-hmm. audience is knowing what's going on with multiple characters at the same time. It is so. a it is a tough. Technique. It is. It is. I, it is a master level tech. I I like the concept of this movie because yeah. I think there's a lot of co- I think there's a lot of funny and I honestly was laughing extremely hard in the first. I mean, twenty minutes. Take out the take oh, out the credits. You're right. Like twenty minutes. The the minute that Jimmy Durante kicks the bucket. Funniest is funny. literally the funniest part of the movie. <laughs> it is so funny. Is the best thing. I lo- I just lost it. Like that. Okay. This this movie has to be amazing. And it kind of it for me. It went downhill a little after. I thought there was a lot of good parts after they find out about the money and they're yeah. trying to figure out. He's. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I parked did. his truck is like walking around the corner. I actually, yeah. I actually thought that uh, Phil Silver's really adds an edge to the movie. Oh like, yeah, yeah. There's that That's character, an and everybody's like, "Okay, yeah, let's be nice." It's like, "No, no, no, let's all go for it." Mm-hmm. But the minute that guy walks in, it's like. This guy is a bastard. He yeah, is yeah. like the biggest <laughs> rad bastard in this movie. And from the moment you meet him until the end, he is trying to cheat oh, yeah, yeah. everyone. To, you know, we, when, yeah. when we look at it, this would be a perfect movie. Uh, a few weeks ago, uh, Matthew over at our website, Majorspoilers.com, had a question of the day about the nine grid system where you go from, you know, um, oh. was it positive good to lawful chaotic, good lawful to chaotic yeah, 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 evil. Yeah. evil. Yep. You can plug all these characters into one of these holes, and Phil totally. Silvers oh, would yeah. be chaotic evil all oh, the yeah. way. Although oh, Jerry Lewis bad. would be almost borderline chaotic evil. In his world. How long is he in there? But I mean, if you're yeah. if you're taking all the characters that appear, <laughs> yeah. he would definitely well, be in that. There's 86 characters in this movie, though, so, so there's only nine spaces. But I don't. Oh, but it's an 86 point font. Oh, this okay. guy is is neutral, chaotic, stupid. But I mean, you could find people that fit into every category. I don't know if you would. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, even I mean, even the cops are fit into the lawful good category. Right. Well, I mean... The, Except for Spencer Tracy, who's well, kind up of until, lawful Well, up until he falls uh, into lawful name? neutral, yeah. Um, Emmeline, like the... Yeah. Sid Caesar's wife? No, the other one. Oh, right, uh, right, right. Milton Burrow's wife. Milton wife, yeah. yeah. Um, who wants to sit she, in the car. Right, right. But she's that way until she sees the W, and she's like, oh, I've got it, I've got it, let's go dig it up. And right. she believes it finally, so... Yeah. But I mean, yeah, you could really fit people into that nine-point grid, and it would mm-hmm. tell you a lot about... Uh, you know how they develop these characters. Yeah. Why don't we do a, a quick shout out to some uh, of the people that uh, yes. that made this episode possible? People, we like to thank our listeners for helping us continue uh, pulling up Google Drive. Oh, there they are! Shout outs. Here we go. You people help make this show Hey-o. possible. Peter Fassen, Jason Foreman, Daniel Coter, John Morales, Brian Feniff. <laughs> Melanie Nazora, Joshua Mateo. I think that's pronounced Matthew. Nope. I think you tell me that different every time. Ross Mandin, Michelle Ret- Rentner, uh, Guillaume Bellube, Guillaume and Trace Taylor. <laughs> oh, oh I apologize one. for that last one. Thank wow. you, all of show. you, wonderful donors, each and every one of you, to keep this. I think it's uh, actually pronounced Melanie. I'm going to say. Educational programming on the air. Well, yeah, it is. Look at that. I hope it is. I mean, some people say they've learned a lot uh, from this show. Other people have additional commentary. We were talking a couple of uh, episodes (laughs) ago about scripts. Yeah. Um, uh, Bruce Otter pointed me to a great article about how we got into this situational script writing. Mm -hmm. It's called Save the Cat is the Book. I actually bought it today. 
Um, you might want to check it out. Okay. Um, it talks about how we got into the current script story structure that we're at now. It's save, save the cat. Save the cat. Okay. Um, because obviously that's what you're trying to do in the movie. Save the cat. Save the cat. Right. Ride a cowboy. Um, <laughs> Something like that. I don't know. My wife has it on a shirt. I presume it makes sense in context. Uh-huh. Not in this context, awesome. but okay, anyway. Awesome. But a lot of people are getting something out of this, and we hope that you, listener, are getting something out of this, and certainly we want to thank you uh, who have contributed and become VIP members, recurring donors, whatever you want to call yourselves. Uh, we thank you for, for that kind of support. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, Matthew? You know that moment in the show when I tell you something that has nothing to do with the movie that's fascinating anyway? Yep. You know Dick Sean, the son, Sylvester? Mama, yeah. I'm coming for yeah. you, Mama. Do you know why I remember Dick Sean? Because you really like doing the twist? No, I hated the twist. Dick Sean is actually uh, memorable for the way he passed away. He was on stage doing stand-up and was making jokes. And he was talking about you know how he was pretending to be a political campaign guy. And he's like, if elected, I will not lay down on the job. Then he passed out, collapsed, and died on stage. That... And everyone thought kind of it was part of the act. No, yeah. it's not funny. Well, I mean, no, I mean, in context, it's kind of funny. But contextually, everyone See, thought it was See, that's what dark humor is, and that's why everybody hates my humor, because it's often very dark yeah. like that. Mm-hmm. And they oh, came yeah, out, and they gave him CPR, <laughs> and they said, everybody go home. And everybody thought it was, you know, an Andy Kaufman bit. And Dick Sean had actually died on stage during the performance. So it's one of those horrifying little moments where you're like, why do I know the name Dick Sean? It's because he he actually died on stage and people didn't believe that it wasn't part of the joke. So there's something else going on in 1963 that – Doctor Who? No. That was also kind of – well, yeah, Doctor Who was going on. So what's going on? You know, in 1963, more people are buying television sets than ever before. People are staying home. Um, homes are starting to get some central air or some kind of air conditioning at home and people are not going to the movies. So during the uh, late fifties, early sixties, we started to see a rise in what's called epic films. Right. Right. What's an epic film, Rodrigo? Ben-Hur. Ben-Hur is an epic film. Cleopatra. Cleopatra is an epic film. The Ten Commandments. Ten Commandments is an epic film. Uh, Mad, 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 Mad World is an epic film. What makes a film Epic. Can I guess just from that list of Go movies? ahead. They're really long. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Boredom. <laughs> but, but more than I'm pretty that. sure the Ten Commandments takes 24 about, hours of about, TV time to play. <laughs> it it's about it plays over the long. entirety of Passover. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. that's how long it is. <laughs> but, but, yeah, you're right. But why? Why would they have to be so long? You, that, that's kind of a clue. Big stories. We have to tell big stories. Big stories. We big have cast. to make a big production. Mm-hmm. We have to have a big cast so that we can draw you away from your small set and see your favorite stars on the big screen in the case of Mad 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 World. Yeah. Or to tell an epic story like Charlton Heston making out with uh, Liz Taylor or Charlton Heston condemning people for <laughs> praying to a to a golden <laughs> for, ox. For making, yeah, yeah. making out with or, whatever the name you know, you just led. Richard Burton making out with oh, Liz Oh, Richard Taylor. Burton making yeah. out with Liz Taylor too. Who didn't make out with Liz Taylor in the in the sixties? No, who it, did it, not? Cleopatra. He did. <laughs> it didn't. I didn't. Yeah. That was nineteen fifty. But I mean, this is this is in that this is in that in that period where we have to make movies spectacles. It's how right. the West how the West was won. All these things. It it's I really kind of it's really a polarization because you when they start 
going into TV, they say, what is TV good at? And it is that kind of like that mm-hmm. close-up mm-hmm. sitcom type situation. And so then what is film good at? It's like these huge sweeping things. That's what you can get the budget for in a film. Right. That's what a, a wider aspect ratio so affords that's what you. That's mm-hmm. what I'm getting to mm-hmm. is part of the appeal is prior to eh, the 1950s, Films were still shot at a four by three ratio. That's right. why television, it was so easy to make everything a four by three, because if we're going to take these old films mm-hmm. and put them on television, it's the perfect aspect ratio. Well, now we need to be something bigger than television. So let us change the aspect ratio of our screen. And so then we started experimenting or the industry started experimenting with all of these different ratios and all of these different film formats mm-hmm. to make the movie bigger and better. And one film format that they used um, was CinemaScope, probably the <laughs> widest film format that we had. And if I'm remembering correctly, I'm pretty pretty sure it's the CinemaScope. They'd actually, maybe it was Panavision. Panavision. This, no, this one, this this one wasn't this. Panavision. Okay, so Panavision, yeah. so Panavision yeah. was this scope that was so wide that they actually would use three cameras mm. to shoot the movie. Isn't it? Oh, no, continue. Go ahead. What were you going to say? Cinerama? C- yeah, uh, and Cinerama. Yeah, 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 maybe that's the one I'm thinking of. But they would have to use three cameras to shoot uh-huh. simultaneously... Yeah. And then project them back simultaneously, right, right, right. and oh, wow. um, it was it, the biggest hangup was things not being in sync. Right, right. And so then we had to invent things like the Panavision, um, and wide. Uh, ultimately, what it led to was the introduction of anamorphic shooting, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where you could compress the image that was super super wide and put it onto one piece of film. And then when you project it back through an anamorphic lens, it would spread it back out and you could get that, that big wide thing. I mean, theaters at this time were, were exper- experimenting with such wide aspect ratios that the, the screen would curve and yeah. kind of wrap around you. And I think this was one of those that was projected in a theater that would kind of wrap yeah, around you. I mean, you. it's super wide. And, yeah. you know, when you watch it today, you see these three shots, four shots of characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's like... Half the characters are cut off on the edge. It's because as they've converted it, they can't get that can't wide. Get, right, they can't right. get that original wide format. So yeah, when you rent that. this, it's only available for rent on iTunes right yeah. now. Uh, but you're missing out on those characters because you can't fit them yeah. into the current aspect I ratio. It's that. so wide. Well, that makes sense now because now that yeah. you talk about that, I remember that there's big conversation scenes where like half a person's body is on screen. Like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. No, and imagine <laughs> if you could stretch that out <laughs> twice as wide. Yeah. And so, and so what I'm going to do is in the show notes for this episode, and I want you to watch this too, Zach, there's this fantastic uh, video up on Vimeo, maybe you've already seen it, that talks about the history of the aspect ratio and how we've gone through all of these different changes and how we're essentially at our 1.85 to 1 for um, what we con- consider widescreen mm-hmm. and our 2.85 for the CinemaScope uh, version. I'm going to put it up. It's about a 15-minute video to watch. Uh, it's put out by, I think it's filmiq.com, I think is the is the group that put it out. Fantastic video. You really, really cool. should watch it to understand how did we change all of these different different aspect ratios over time. And Mad, 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 Bad World fell right in the middle of this time period where we're trying to do anything to get people into the screen, into the, uh, into the theaters by yep. changing that, that aspect ratio. So definitely check that I'm out. Agree. I mean, the version I saw... Not only had an intermission, right, but it also had an opening 
basically overture right. that mm-hmm. just plays over black. Mm-hmm. Yep. So it's like the movie itself is meant to be a theatrical experience. Right. The overture right. is what would be playing when you enter the action. Right. Right. I mean, like this. Yeah, is what's played like while the curtains are closed. Yeah. yeah. In right, a right, theater. Right. Yeah. 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 Yep. yeah Cinerama was the three strip process. Right. Um, it seems that, it that seems ended weird. Like 1979. Well, not really weird. Just interesting that when film really started, we did uh, films kind of like Duck Soup, where we shot it at like a theater because what people were used to, and then we kind of diverge a little bit through that in a little way, and then then we get back to this age where we try to make it the film a theater to get people mm-hmm. to come back right, instead right, of watching right, TV. Right. Yeah. It's weird. Right. Don't, it's, don't we do that? Don't we kind of still do that today? Don't we go and say, see it oh, in totally. 3D because oh, you can't yeah. see 3D sure. at home? Don't we want to say, see it yeah. in IMAX because you can't yeah. experience IMAX at home? Right. I mean, that's yeah, no, that's why these there. two formats are, are holding out because it's what's it's that last hook mm-hmm. to say, hey, person sitting at home watching your 56-inch television, yes, you could come down and sit in the multiplex and watch the movie on a 56-inch screen, or you could come see it in IMAX, or you can come see it in 3D, something you can't yeah. get at home. That's the experience you're going right. for. Right. I, I have a 27-inch screen. Now, correct me, correct me if I'm wrong, but the way that IMAX does their like super wide format is they actually yeah, the flip the film. film, and that's what 70 millimeter was originally. You had to shoot it sideways, right, right. to get it to go across in that. And and in this case, the uh, Ultra Panavision 70 is done that way, where oh, they actually instead of the, the film running vertically, they actually run it horizontally, and that's how the IMAX stuff works as well. So right. it's a 70 millimeter. I think it's 70 millimeter. 70 millimeter, yeah. Um, here's, here's what I think is really interesting, sort of uh, from, a, from a metatextual sense about this movie, is that it came out the same year, I believe, as The Great Escape. Mm. And you watch the two of them, mm-hmm. and they're just like nothing alike. Right, right, right. Not like mm-hmm. Mad, 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 Mad World is such a dynamic movie. And The Great Escape is like such a still movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I think part of that is in The Great Escape, you have yeah a lot of big names, mm-hmm. but you're not presenting this in a big epic right, story right. that you're telling with Mad Max. It's Mad, really Mad a World, small story. Or, yeah, it is a small it's story. It's a very small story. And, so, and intentionally so, I think. Oh, it has I'm, to be. It has to yeah, be. Yeah, it's, it's guys off. in prison. You You want it to be as... As claustrophobic as you can get away with. Mm. Whereas I and, and again, I think that that movie is kind of the shape of things to come in films. That seventies aspect of we have the the stories that are about the specific character and their quieter story, or the story that specifically everything we see happens because Jake Giddies is in the room, and there is yeah. no omniscient expectation of here's what the villains are up to elsewhere. We don't get that. I think that this, you know, like I said, this is kind of that that throwback, that last hurrah, whereas The Great Escape is kind of trying to move forward into well, and that 70s. If bit. we're tying this back into this last hurrah for the actors, it's also this this grasping at straw mentality by the studios going, how are we going to compete right. with changes? Right. Yep. Um, and, and so I think three things that you should take away from this discussion, Zach, um, is epic storytelling, you know, what the epic movie period was and mm-hmm. what, you know, how that affected the types of stories that were going on. Um, things like parallel storytelling and the aspect ratio, I think, are the big three things that you can kind of focus on from this movie, as well as Kramer trying to 
move out of an area that most people thought he was in and show people he could do comedy. I mean, that is sure. always good to break out of what your normal role I mean, it's is. It's just like, like Kevin, Kevin Smith, Smith Red yeah, doing Red State. Yeah. Is, Schindler's, is a great List. Example. Schindler's List. Schindler's List, yes. Uh, are all good examples of actor or director saying, hey, I can I can take this on. So Phantom Menace 1. How to make a bad movie? Uh, <laughs> it's like I know you all think I only make amazing action movies, but let me put the lie to that. Uh, so again, uh, he, made, he made Howard the Duck before he did that. Oh, uh, uh, good point. That movie blows. Also, not on this list. So. Uh. <laughs> all right, Zach. So beyond hating this film, yes. What are some important? And I've told you the three takeaway things that you should be looking for. Right. But what did you personally learn from? Oh, you had. Before we get to that, you had another question about uh, quadcopter. Oh, yeah. So right before I watched this, I read an article in HD Video Pro mm-hmm. a magazine or something. And they're talking about how aerial shots are changing now. And they're becoming uh, how smaller indie productions can do right. them now because the quadcopters mm-hmm. and their right. the the. The the expensiveness of getting a helicopter and oh, yeah. attaching all the gear you need to yeah. get a shot over I mean, the city a lot or of, a car in this movie. Yeah. There's a lot of chase scenes that have right. to be done from the air. That's why, and that's why I thought about because now, now, real quick, a, a quadcopter being a a little uh, remote control helicopter with a four camera propellers, atta- yeah. four yeah. propellers with yeah. a yeah. camera attached to yeah. it. Yeah, right. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, and a lot of people are doing this. They're not. Some of them to carry like a red epic. So there or, are some, there, there are, are bigger some ones that are copters that, that are, are pretty that are big and they're pretty. That, yeah. I mean, for me, my mind still pretty expensive. But to rent, they're not as expensive as renting a helicopter for a couple of hours to shoot right, the right, city. Right. Now, uh, keep in mind when you're looking at quadcopters, you've got limited range. Right. You've got limited weight on these cameras. Yes, right. you can get some that hold the red or hold a five D Mark III. But for the most part, you're looking at small, like, GoPro cameras or, right. or those types of cameras. So, yeah, I've got a quadcopter that I bought um, and because I've really been wanting to do some more nature stock footage mm-hmm. videos because people are interested in buying some of the stuff that I've already shot. Totally. And so I want to expand on that and do that with some aerial stuff. Um, so the first one that I bought was that Parrot drone, mm-hmm. the iPad control or the iPhone controlled one. That one is a Not piece good. of crap. Yeah. Doesn't do anything that you need. This one is designed specifically to hold a GoPro camera, the one that I got, the DJI Phantom. Mm-hmm. And um, it flies really, really good. Now, there's some stabilization issues that I've got to right. tweak and, and fix, but uh, I've been taking some pictures with it, and I think you've seen some up on my Facebook mm-hmm. page. I know I put a YouTube video up. Um, I th- did you watch it? Did I show you the, I the video? I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but it is really cool and produces some amazing results, yeah. so much so that I went to campus and was shooting – um, the ground where the new building is being built and posted that. And people nice. are like, oh, this is great. You should take some shots around campus. Well, our provost didn't realize I had one of those. And uh, I guess he read yeah. some article about some other college had bought a quadcopter. He's like, <laughs> sent a fired off a note at the at the provost council meeting saying, hey, uh, should we invest in one of these? Who should be buying it? Uh, blah, 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 blah. And then my dean was like, well, you know, Steven's got one of those. And I guess the university relations has already been on me. Asking, hey, can you come and shoot? You know, pick and <laughs> can, can we borrow and your yeah. quad? Well, they don't want to, they don't want to borrow. Oh, it. They play. just want me to go out and, yeah. and shoot the stuff. Yeah. And it's like, fine. Now, you know, uh, I do need some new propellers. You guys could pay me to go and do this, mm-hmm. and be more than happy to do it. So, you know, the cool thing is you can do some amazing things. And if you go online, you can see some of the stuff that people right. are doing with these little quadcopters. Um, there's a company out of uh, Steamboat Springs in Colorado oh, nice. that does this. And if you go on Vimeo and just look up Steamboat Springs, oh, I'm sure you're going to find his, his stuff. But he uses an octocopter that's got eight 
propellers yeah. on it. It's GPS controlled and everything. Yeah. But he does some amazing, amazing like videos of just flying over yeah. buildings and everything. Um, I mean, because now that cameras are so small, you have like, right. the Blackmagic uh, yeah. cinema yeah. that is like a, a consumer level mm-hmm. size, but you can shoot 4K on that. And so that's the, the weight of that is so small. You can send it up on a copter and you can get... You can get 2K, 4K images out of it. Well, I, I've been saying we need to talk about gear at some point because that's part of this. Yeah. Why don't we next week talk about... You want to talk we'll about do, gear we'll next week? We'll do a gear show. Yeah, cool. yeah, we'll do a gear show next week where we can talk about some of these things. Yeah. Because really the cost of entry for doing this stuff has lowered so dramatically so that even young Zach can go and make a movie for... And buy his own equipment for less than $10,000. Easily. Yeah. And, and just... Is as a point of <laughs> reference, you said easily. Fifteen years ago, ten thousand dollars would have gotten you bare basics you like to do stuff. Film stock. And twenty years ago, ten thousand dollars wouldn't have gotten you, Nothing. you know, a lens. Yeah. So we can talk Nothing about that next yeah, time okay, let's on do that. Uh, Zach on film. So what? It, so give me some good takeaways, some things that you can use okay. from this movie. From it's a mad, 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 mad world. Uh, in an upcoming production of yours, maybe a maybe a spot that you're supposed to do for us. <laughs> yes, he said, hinting broadly. Hinting broadly. I never hint broadly. I, uh, he hints very accurately with a hammer at your face. Uh, so, I mean, I think one thing you look at from this movie, if probably can't take this away from doing like your first movie in your house, but. If you start making a name for yourself in Hollywood and you can get all these actors, then the odds of making movies like this are good from a business standpoint because obviously this is a, a lot of business. It made it a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And so that's good. And that's that you can do that from just throwing an actor in there. You can probably up your box office by a couple million just by having Tom Cruise in your movie. Like you just made like $10 million more. Right. Uh, so for business aspect, I think that's one thing you could probably take away. Um, learning types of comedy is the takeaway. Well, comedy and is, trying to appreciate them, and then, yeah, I mean, comedy is very subjective. So what you think is right. funny, other people are not going to think is funny, right? And right. so that's why that's a that's one area that I would <laughs> caution you on is if you're going to do a comedy. Oh, make I would never sure make this under, comedy. No, 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 I'm not saying make this yeah. comedy, but if you're going to make a comedy, you got to make sure that you understand who your target audience is because more than likely you're going to offend 90% of the the audience from that So (laughs) because it's very subjective. Yeah. So that was a good takeaway. Did you just say you're automatically going to offend 90% of the audience? You you probably – I mean you're going to offend a lot of people. I mean Kevin Smith is a prime example of this when you look at who are you going to offend. Kevin Smith understands who his audience is. And he plays to his audience. Mm-hmm. His audience is several hundred thousand million people, maybe a million more people, right? Um, it's me. And he is playing to you. He's not playing to my mom who doesn't think who, who thinks Kevin Smith is not funny at all mm-hmm. and will probably mm-hmm. burn in hell for his his antics. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Just totally like will. I think <laughs> still base humor like dick and fart jokes still gets a laugh out of me. Right. Totally right? Funny. Other people, <laughs> totally funny. other people, not funny. Some people hate the Stooges. Some people love the Stooges. Some people don't yeah. get uh, a Monty Python. Other mm. people love Monty Python. People hate some people, Will Ferrell. Some people hate Will Ferrell. Some people hate, uh, 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 what's his name, uh, Waterboy. 
Adam, Adam Sandler. 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 All of those guys. He's kind of taking a dive. Name a guy that came out, Name a guy that got famous out of Saturday Night Live. Oh, Somebody hates them. Right. Yeah. Because their comedy Chevy is very Chase. unique for their audience. Right. Nobody hates Belushi. It's true. It's like okay. So another good example is. Um, I don't know if Wait, you've ever... Belushi. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever been brought into our Smosh discussions. How I don't find Smosh oh, yeah. funny at all. Yeah, I think it's stupid. Yet they have a quadrillion, have a quadrillion people watching. Right. So yeah. there's people that think that their yeah. stuff is funny, but it is What's very subjective. It's a, you know what I know. Just go look it up. Yeah, just go look up at smosh.com. Yeah. I don't want to. The you last don't. time you looked at you're like, oh, look up this goat say thing. And I'm like, I don't even know what that <laughs> I didn't leave the house for a month. Uh, See? Sub- humor is very subjective to people. I got to uh, laugh out of sending you to a site. <laughs> you're a horrible, horrible human being. So just, just really keep that in mind yeah. is that, you know, even Bill Cosby, a lot of people don't find funny. They find him quaint. But they don't find him funny, right? Quaint. Right? Um, pudding pops. Well, that's quite quaint. So just just be real careful when you when you try to do something that you think yeah. is funny, because other people might look at it and go, "You're stupid." So pretty much my every everyday life. Well, again, it depends on who you're trying to talk. <laughs> I get attract. that a lot. Yeah, it I get a lot of blank stares from my jokes at work. <laughs> well, that's because you're playing to the wrong audience. Yeah. Well, even if you play to the wrong audience, you know, I mean, if you play in Poughkeepsie. If you play in Sheboygan, I'll tell you yeah. if you play in Walla Walla, Walla Washington, Peoria, Peoria. That's, that's where we are. We're in freaking Peoria. <laughs> my humor actually plays at work, and I spend my day locked in a bunker with four or five grandmas, and my humor will occasionally still play. So, I mean, choose your audience, but be aware that your audience may surprise you. Sure. You know, if, if I can say what I say and get 62-year-old women to giggle, Obviously, there's there's that chance that maybe your audience is you know, <laughs> or maybe they're just different. trying to humor you. Yeah, do they give you some uh, that maybe, hard uh, candy and yeah, pat you like on the a head? Butterscotch <laughs> thing. <laughs> they give you a little pinch yeah, on the cheek. Chocolate. Oh, Matthew, you're oh, so cute, Matthew. Oh, I'm going to knit you a sweater for Would you Christmas. Like the Occasionally, I do have to throw in a reference to Ernest T. Bass. All right. <laughs> uh, grades for Zach. Evaluation of Zach. Uh, this one was rough because yeah, was. Uh, from a. Uh, from a base, like guttural perspective, I really agree with Zach. Oh, no, I did I, not. I, I did not like this movie. Yeah. Um. And I think that for me, watching this movie, I had trouble analyzing it because mm-hmm. after a while, I was like, "Bah." So I, I I'm gonna send this movie off like three times. Yeah. You know, to be I'm honest, gonna I'm gonna abstain from grading Zach this time because this movie got to me. Yeah. No. Um. When you go and try to do searches for critical analysis of this film, it's, very, you nothing. can't find anything yeah. on it. Um, for me, it, it, it was you come into this realization of what he's trying to get at because you're like, okay, look at the henpicked husband. Look at how these two buddies, mm. buddies, get mm. along with one another. Yeah. Look at how people are greedy with one another. Look at how husbands and wife relationships are. Right, right. I mean, when you see all of Everyone's that put jerks. together, yeah, then you come to this realization mm. of what he's what what makes this a comedy of of errors or comedies of of sure, sure. reflection of uh, on ourselves yeah and i think that takes a because i've been watching this movie since the late 70s right mm-hmm. that's, that's how long it is <laughs> yeah, 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 i just finished, <laughs> I just still finished been it last night but no literally i've been watching this from the late 70s and it wasn't until ethel merman is yelling at milton burl about how worthless he is and i'm like oh wait a minute this suddenly makes sense as to what's going on mm-hmm. so 
Maybe it's a repeat viewing thing. I don't know. But so I will agree with you, Zach. And, you know, you're not wrong in your opinion of you didn't like this movie. You're not wrong in your opinion that this is too long because I would agree with you that this is too long of a movie. And I wish there were parts that could move Mm -hmm. along a little faster. So I guess we'll say uh, we'll give you a pass this week on this one. Cool. Uh, Matthew? I think that sometimes I'm a little too hard on Zach because of the fact that I'll say, how can you not know Buddy Hackett? And he'll be like, Buddy Hackett was dead 12 years before. He I was. was. <laughs> and that's true. I mean, I don't and that's legit. Yeah. But I don't want to be the guy who's like, well, everything was better when I was a kid. And I'll, I'll agree with you. This movie drags. This movie drags like the muffler of my 77 Monte Carlo. And trust me there, if you look around, hey, Zach, you'll probably see discolorations and, and jagged spots in the road. Because they, you know, they haven't fixed them since the nineties. Where my my muffler actually just gashed up Vine Street, <laughs> and I think that for me, half the fun of this movie is playing. Hey, it's that guy. Yeah, yeah. I've I've seen this maybe half a dozen times. I still can't necessarily give you a detailed analysis of the plot because I'm just like Rochester. Hey, that's Rochester, and look, it's it's Alan Brady. So B plus. Because you get the basics of the construction, you get the basics of what works, doesn't necessarily work for you, but most importantly, you, you watched didn't it. Presume, you didn't presume that because you didn't like it, it sucked and was awful, and everybody who would like it is stupid, and I'll give you points for that. Yay. So just to give our listeners a heads up, and Zach a heads up, and anybody else uh, who wants a heads up on this next week, we'll talk heads equipment, up. right? Mm-hmm. Then following that, it looks like we've got Blade Runner. Oh, man. And, and we're going to look at the 30th anniversary version of this. Is it on iTunes? The version that iTunes. I don't have. Right. Sure. Uh, Inception. Oh, God. Iron Giant. Ooh. Lawrence of Arabia. Let me give you a hint, Zach. That's this is another, this is another epic, movie. epic movie, right? <laughs> uh, Planet of the Apes, the 68 version. Mm-hmm. And then Raging Bull. Those are the movies that we have upcoming. Cool. It's a good list. On the, uh, on the Zach on film. And uh, how many of these have you seen? Iron Giant, Inception. Inception. Da, 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 da. That's it. I think it's I'm going to bet. All right. Okay. There we go. That's going to wrap this episode up for Zach on Film. Make sure to head over to Majorspoilers.com. Click on that Amazon.com link at the front of the page and do all of your happy shopping. Buy any of those movies, Blade Runner, Iron Giant, Inception, and uh, get uh, a little head of the homework for Zach on Film. Watch his movies before we talk about them. Uh, no extra you price. You need to enunciate when you say things like that. Nah. Uh... No extra charge to you, but a little bit will come back to us to help all these great shows that many of them, uh, not including Second Film, there's so many more Major Spoilers podcasts to listen to. Keep those running. Uh, go to MajorSpoilers.com to click on the podcast link. Give your thoughts about the mad, mad, mad world and any other thoughts you have about this show. Uh, that's it. Next week, we will be talking gear and uh, the make movies and such. Next week on Second Film. Say goodbye 
credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.